Thank you, Jesus. Well, that's it. I believe it. I believe he's my healer. I believe he's your healer. I believe God will do what he said he would do. And I'm thankful for him tonight. You can be seated tonight. Uh, uh, I will just tell you, I've, I've got a, a lot of scripture tonight. Because, uh, and whether I get to all of that scripture or not, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I'll try not to make this two hours of Bible study. I'm usually pretty good about that. So, um, But uh, we've just enjoyed the blessings of the Lord the last couple of weeks here. Uh, people being filled the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And, uh, you know, uh, so excited for, for Jordan and for Caitlin and what God doing in their life. Just appreciate uh, it's being able to experience that with them. And, uh, you know, just, um, and the, the thing about uh, when stuff like this begins to happen, when we see people come and people are, you know, experience something they've never experienced or they, you know, all of a sudden they're, they're moving closer to the Lord than they've ever been. They, you know, they just feel like their walk with God is taking off or, or take, really taking direction and things. Often we don't just know hey, what happened? Uh, I, I think about the disciples as Jesus told them, said, look, uh, go tarry in Jerusalem. Why? You're going to be endued with power from on high. What's that mean? It's the Holy Ghost coming. Is it coming in a box? Is it coming on a cart? I mean, what? How's it coming, you know? Uh, they don't know. Nobody's ever received it. They were the first ones. And so, well, all we know to do is what we always do. And so they go gather and they tarry and they're praying and they're waiting. And they're waiting. Anybody got anything yet? Not yet. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the Bible says they were in one place, one accord. Came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting and they began to uh, speak with other tongues as they were filled with the Holy Ghost. As the Holy Ghost filled them, they spoke with other tongues. Uh, cloven tongues as fire set upon each one of them. They, were, they saw something, experienced something, did something they had never done before just because they had faith in him, because they believed in him. And he had told them that uh, he would give them hints about things. He would tell them things and knew they didn't understand it. Some things you just don't understand till you experience and maybe sometimes you don't really understand it when you experience but God didn't say you had to understand it. He said you just had to believe. And so we live in a world though that's very analytical and we want to understand and that's all right. We should grow in grace and knowledge. We should learn. And so anytime we, we begin to have people that are filled with the Holy Ghost and they're being baptized or seeing the need for baptism, things like that, I like to try to teach and just remind us and maybe help them so that they can begin to explain because they're going to have friends and family that have questions. What, well, what happened to you? Uh, I was praying, started speaking in tongues. You did what? What's that mean? You know, what do you mean you start speaking in tongues? What's that? Well, I was speaking in another language. What language? I don't know what language. Well, how do you know? I don't know how I know. I just know it happened. But I felt it. 
and it happened. And, and I don't know how to, how to explain that. So, so we do want to know because you want to be able to at least point people to Scripture or, or help uh, bring them along and give them understanding. And as you read, if you will keep that in mind, when you read through the book, especially through the book of Acts, because that's where you're going to see the church born and the people that Jesus entrusted with the preaching of the gospel, you're going to see how they initiated that, how they began to, what they preached, what they said, and what happened when they preached. And that is the model. Jesus said, I'm building a church. He said, on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So I want to stick with the church he's building. I, you know, his model, and this, there's nothing I need outside of this book. It's there. Anything I need to know is there. So uh, tonight, uh, I'm going to read from a start, start from the book of Acts. And with the help of the Lord, we'll just kind of find out what this gospel is all about. There's no way to exhaust this lesson tonight. I mean, I could stand here for, for days and days talking about it, different lessons, but uh, I think that we can get enough tonight where we see, okay, this is what the Lord meant. And so let's, let's try to do that tonight. Acts chapter 2 and verse 36, we're going to come to, uh, basically we're coming to Peter's altar call. Peter, like many other preachers, have said, okay, I'm coming in for a landing. I'm about to, the music can come. I'm about to close. But like a lot of preachers, we find out later that he says, and with many other words did he testify and exhort. He just kept going. <laughs> Sometimes a preacher say, I'm about to stop, and then he just keeps going. But in Acts 2 and 36, uh, as Peter has preached about Jesus Christ, he is preaching to devout men, Jews from every nation. They're, they've come for Pentecost, and they're there. He is preaching to Israel, preaching to his own, preaching to the 12 tribes. That is who he is preaching to, and he is uh, summed up that Jesus Christ uh, is the Lord, that he was crucified, that he was raised up from the dead, and they're, that they're all witnesses of that. And he says, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. That was the end of, really, of his message. And with this, they have a question. Something happens uh, when they hear that Jesus Christ, or Jesus is both Lord and Christ, and we were the participants, we were the initiators of his crucifixion. They need to know, what shall we do? Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Don't ever think that you don't play a part in your salvation. You cannot be, you cannot save yourself through works. It's still the grace of God that bringeth salvation. We know that. We know that uh, it's a, a gift of God, not of works, lest any man can boast. We get that. But no body is forced into salvation. God does not force anybody to be saved. He will not pick anybody up by the nap of the neck and drag them to heaven 
and then look at them and say, well done, and throw them in the gate. Uh, we play a part. It, once they heard the gospel, once they had heard about Jesus Christ, that Peter had proved to them he was Lord in Christ, they realized we have not done right. We are in the wrong, so what shall we do? So Peter says unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you, to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward or this crooked, perverse generation. Then they that gladly received his word, or they that believed, were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And so I want to talk about what shall we do? What shall we do? Because we do have a part in this, and it's not predicated on how much we understand. It's predicated on our faith in who he is. What do we believe about him? So uh, let's just pray and pray for my mind because I've got a lot of scripture that I can just preach this the way the Lord laid it out for me today. Lord, we love and thank you for your mercy and grace. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the plan of salvation that you have for us in scripture. Lord, tonight help us to see it, to understand it, to obey it, have faith in it. And God, we're going to give you praise and honor and glory for you alone are worthy. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap for his word tonight. Great God. So the gospel, the new birth, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes, to the, the Jew, to the Greek, so it's for everybody. Uh, what Paul was preaching, Paul had never asked Peter about the gospel. Paul said he got his gospel from the Lord. You can read that in the book of Galatians. Paul said, I didn't learn what I preached, the gospel I preached. I didn't get it from man, but I got it from the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he didn't have to go to school with uh, Peter and get a lesson on what to preach. Jesus gave him what to preach. But here we see that Peter is preaching the gospel. He is preaching what Jesus asked him to preach. Why did he preach that and why was Acts 2.38, his answer when they said, what shall we do? We will find that uh, if we look back through Scripture and look to the book of John. Everybody who is a Christian loves the book of John because it's got the Scripture in it that everybody holds up at the football game. And that's great because it's a wonderful Scripture. Uh, but that is not the only scripture in the, in the book of John chapter 3. It's not the only scripture in chapter 3. It's a, it's a great scripture. It means exactly what it says. Uh, but it is uh, the, the meaning of it is contained in scriptures before and after it. So in chapter 3, it starts off with Jesus meeting by night with a man who is a Pharisee. His name is Nicodemus. He's meeting by night because he's afraid he'll be thrown out of the synagogue if they were to catch him talking to Jesus. And he wants to know who he is because nobody can do these things except you were of God. And Jesus answers and says unto him in verse 3, Verily I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus 
here's one of these things we don't understand. I'm talking, I am talking to Jesus. He is talking to me. I hear the words coming out of his mouth. I have no idea what he's saying. You ever been there? Read something and said, I'm reading this. I don't understand it. Well, Nicodemus says, well, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time to his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. Everybody say water. water. That's not uh, water as in a woman's water breaking when she is expecting. I've had people tell me that. I said, then that's not being born again because that's what happens when you're born the first time. He's talking about being born again. So he says, and actually when you look at the word in the Greek, it does not mean that at all. It means water, water like either rainwater, like a shower, water that you will drink. So we, that absolutely does away with the other meaning. Uh, I hope. I hope nobody's doing that. So, uh, so except a man be born of water uh, and of the Spirit, big S, of the Spirit, in other words, the Holy Ghost, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He has to be born again. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Then he says, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. How many knows that you can't, we're not going to enter into heaven the way we were? Uh, we'll have to be a, there'll have to be a change in our life. Got to be a change. And so that's why he said, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again because Flesh and blood, we know Scripture teaches us, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, and so we must be born again. Now, while we live on this earth, we are in the flesh. But once we are born again, the Spirit lives inside of us, and we are the sons and daughters of God. The Bible says the Spirit itself bears witness that we are the children of God. It's the Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And so we need that because the Scripture said, without the Spirit of Christ, we are none of His. So it is the Spirit that makes the difference in who we belong to. If I'm born of flesh, belong to the world, born of the Spirit, now I'm His. So I need new birth. I need to be born again, but I need to be born of water and the Spirit. Listen to again, why did Peter preach what he did and why was that his answer? Why was being baptized in Jesus' name for remission of sins, born of water, because when you baptize people, you baptize them in water. You don't baptize them in sawdust. You don't baptize them in jello or nothing. It's water. You baptize them in water, born of water. And then uh, he said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is the Spirit, being born of the Spirit. That is new birth. Peter was preaching new birth to them. What shall we do? Basically, he said, you must be born again. But he was telling them now how to be born again. Uh, it was not time for that to be revealed yet because Jesus was not yet glorified. He had not given his life. He had not went to the cross. The work was not finished. He had not died. He had not resurrected. He was not fixing to tell uh, him, well, you'll have to be baptized in my name and filled with the Spirit. He just spoke in mysteries as he often did. You must be born again, born of the water, born of the Spirit. That's what you must do. Why does that uh, mean a lot to Peter right here? Because he said you can't see the kingdom of God or enter into the kingdom of God if you are not born again. Peter has something that uh, we read about in Matthew 16. If you'll turn there in Matthew 16. Now, I want you to try to remember Peter's message on the day of Pentecost. What started the question, what shall we do? 
It was the statement that this same Jesus that you crucified is both Lord and Christ. Peter had that revelation long before that day because he said in Matthew 16, after the Lord asked, who do men say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, son of the living God. So Jesus answers him, blessed art thou, Simon, uh, Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that you are Peter, and upon this rock, not Peter. The, Peter, he's telling Peter what he will do, but the rock is the revelation. The rock is the foundation. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. What do you build on? You build on a foundation. The scripture tells us that there is no other foundation laid that can be laid but that of Jesus Christ. But we have to be careful how we build on it. So uh, he's not telling Peter, you're the foundation. Uh, he's telling Peter, upon this rock, the revelation that I am the Christ, that's the rock that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then he tells Peter, and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, the Pharisees had spent their time shutting up the kingdom of heaven against men. They said, they said you don't suffer men to go in and you won't enter in yourself. That's why he asked Nicodemus. He said, are you a leader of Israel and you don't know all these things? But the Pharisees uh, were always accused of blocking people from entering in. Uh, they wanted to seem holy and mighty and and, but they want nobody else to go in. And the Lord said that our righteousness would have to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And so he gives Peter keys to the kingdom of heaven. And so what did the Lord say? If you want to enter into the kingdom, you must be born again. So what Peter did on the day of Pentecost was he opened up the door to the kingdom of heaven. He did not push people in. He opened the door. He said, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, born of water, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter had the keys. That's why Peter stood up and preached that first message. But once he opened it up, that was the message that would be preached from that point on. The door was open. It was not going to be locked. It was not going to be shut. It was not going to be closed up so nobody else could go in. It opened because once God poured out his spirit on all flesh, it was there. This is that that the prophet Joel spoke about. It was going to happen, and now people would enter into this new uh, doctrine. They'd never heard it before, but this was the birth of the church, and this was what it meant to be born again. That's why Peter answered him uh, the way he did. You must repent and be baptized and be filled with or receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is being filled with the Holy Ghost. The reason that is important and an example of that happening, because people say, well, is that what really happened through everything? Well, it's contained in the letters to the churches, the things that uh, Paul wrote especially, uh, that these are things that must happen. Remember I said Paul did not get his gospel from, from Peter. He was not there listening to Peter preach that day. He did not get his uh, gospel from Peter. He got his gospel, he said, from the Lord, but he wrote and preached the same things that Peter preached. In 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verses 9 through 11, he's writing, now remember who he's writing to, he's writing to the church. And so he said, he's talking to the church and he says, don't you know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? So unrighteous people 
or people who have not been born again because you can't enter into the kingdom of God unless you're born again. That's what Jesus said. So Paul knows this because he got that from Jesus. Know you not that unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? He said, don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Because those are all the works of the flesh. Jesus said, what's born of the flesh is flesh, what's born of the spirit is spirit. And so flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Unrighteousness cannot inherit the kingdom of God. They have to be born again. But then he says this, and such were some of you. Now, how do you become were? How, how can you say, oh, that's what I used to be? How, hey, you can say it all day long, but is it true? And is it true in the eyes of the Lord? Because the Lord said you can take, in one scripture, he said you can take much soap and water and nitre cleaner unto you. You can wash yourself and clean yourself up, but your iniquity would still be marked before me. In other words, you can do your best, but without me, it won't matter. And so, and such were some of you, but now watch what he says. This is, this is where the transformation for the people in verses 9 and 10 came in. But ye are washed. Now, the word wash is apaluo. Everybody say that, apaluo. That's the Greek, apaluo. And so apaluo means to wash fully, have remitted. Anybody heard that word remitted anywhere? Sounds like remission. Well, the remission, if you, if you had your sins remitted, you were baptized for the remission of those. They've been remitted. Or it means to wash away. Now, apaluo comes from two different words. The first word, apo, means off, away, separation, or departure. So that means whatever you're washing is going to go away. It's going to separate you. It's something's going to depart from you. Just like when you wash your hands, the dirt that's on there departs from your hands. It goes away. Uh, the other word, luo, means to bathe the whole person. That's why when we baptize people, we immerse them in water. Uh, another reason for that is that Paul said we're buried with him, and you, that's how you bury somebody. You put them down, and you cover them completely, and this is what this word means, uh, to bathe the whole person, for things to be washed away, to be uh, separated, departure, to wash fully, to have remitted, to wash away. Get rid of these things. It is the same word in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. And we'll see where Paul is telling the story of his conversion. And this is what Ananias said to Paul. He said, and now why tarriest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. The word wash is the exact same word that Paul just used right there. It's the same word, so it means to wash away or to bathe fully, uh, to, to remit and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So being baptized is being born of water. It is what happens when people believe the gospel. Paul was struck down on the road to Damascus. He said, Saul, the Lord said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus whom you persecuted. When Paul heard that, he believed that. And then uh, Ananias comes to see him. He says, now that you believe, what are you waiting for? Let's just put it in our language. What are you waiting for? Get up, get baptized, and wash away your sins. That's the only way for your sins to be remitted is through baptism. 
Now, a lot of people say, well, baptism, is it really important? Well, this, you know, it's an outward uh, example or an outward profession of an inward faith. Well, absolutely it is. But it's essential. Just like laying hands on the sick is an outward expression of an inward faith. If I lay hands on the sick, I do it because of the word. If I'm baptized, then it's because it's what's in the word. And why would I think I can be saved any other way than the way they were saved? Why would we ever think we can be saved outside of this Bible? So, so he said, that's what he said there. He, you know, Paul has already received the Holy Ghost. He receives the Holy Ghost first. And then uh, the scales fall from his eyes. And then uh, Ananias is like, well, what are you waiting for? People who are preaching the gospel are, are looking at people that believe and go, what are you waiting for? Well, a lot of times they just don't know. Well, Paul didn't know. So Ananias told him, go get baptized, uh, calling on the name of the Lord, washing away your sins. And so here's what Paul said to those people in, in the church at Corinth. He said, and such were some of you, but you are washed. And basically he said, but you are baptized, is what he's saying. But you are sanctified, but you are justified. How were they baptized? In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Water. Spirit, born of water, born of spirit, just like uh, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, just like Jesus said in John chapter 3, that we have to be born again to get from who we were to who we are. There will have to be a new birth experience. The kingdom is shut up to those who are not born again, born of water, born of the spirit. And so now Peter is opening the door for people to come in and this was a direct obedience to the Great Commission. Peter did not preach his own message. Peter did not say, I'm going to just say what I feel like saying. The Bible says he actually stood up you know, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and he began to speak. But here is what Jesus said before he left this earth when he talked with his disciples uh, in one place. Luke 24 Verses 45 through 49. He says, Then he opened their understanding so they could understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father that's the Holy Ghost upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you have, or till you be endued with power from on high. All that is contained in uh, Peter's answer, Acts 2.38, 2.39. And so uh, the Lord said, here's what I want you preaching. Repentance and remission of sins. Well, what did Peter say? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That is how the remission of sins comes. There's no place else that you'll find except Old Testament that says that uh, there is no remission without the shedding of blood, but they were just pushed back uh, year to year. But Jesus, the Lamb of God, has shed his blood once for all time. And so the blood has to be applied. So if baptism is for the remission of sins, that is where the blood is applied to our life. Faith, Paul said, faith in his blood is for the remission of sins past. And so that is what we want. We want the sins of our past to go away. 
get rid of who I was. I don't want to be who I was. I want to be washed, sanctified, justified. But that comes through being washed in the name of the Lord Jesus and being filled with the Spirit of our God. So uh, remission of sins is in his name. Acts 2.38, baptism in his name for the remission of sins. This is why Peter preached what he did, and this was why his answer was repent and be baptized. He was preaching the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the death, burial, and resurrection. It's the death. Repentance is death. Now, I, I, I titled this, What Shall We Do? Because uh, I, I want people to understand that, again, we play a part in our salvation. We cannot save ourselves. I know Peter said save yourselves, but the only way we save ourselves is through obedience to the word. The Bible says, uh, you know, that judgment's going to first begin at the house of God. It talks about how God's going to look at us first. And, but he, he asked the question in one place. He said, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? Because a lot of people are like, well, I believe it. I believe it. Well, then obey it. That's why Mark 16, 15 and 16 said that, uh, you know, Go and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, what, what, what happens after that? Then he that believes what you preached and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Because if he doesn't believe, he's not going to go get baptized. But if he believes, he's probably going to be baptized. So repentance is something that is our part. Let's, let's just start with the first things that Peter said. Repent. Repent is what we do. God will not force me to repent. Nobody can force you to repent. Uh, if you're going to repent, uh, you're going to do it on your own. It's, and it will be because of the goodness of God. Romans 2 and 4 uh, asked the question, said, Do we despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering? These are all the things God is to us. Not knowing that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. When you know, how I many have you... You, you know, man, I'm just not worthy. I just was worthless. I was sorry. But God has loved me and had grace toward me and mercy toward me anyway. That was his goodness. In the book of Ezekiel, he said, once I do all these things for you, he said, you would loathe yourself. And you'll be like, oh, man, I can't believe how I was. But it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance or to change. Repentance means to turn. It means to die out to the life of sin. And so repentance is death, death to the life that you lived before. In 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Lord, Peter said, It's not the Lord's will that any would perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord wanted everybody to come to repentance. That's why he told Peter, preach that. Peter did not preach. And this same Jesus that you crucified is Lord in Christ, and now he's going to come and destroy you. They said, well, what do we do? Because that's probably what they were worried but he said, just repent, turn around, change your direction, lay that stuff behind you, and then be baptized so your sins of the past can be washed away, can be remitted, because God doesn't want you to perish. No one can die out to sin for me. Nobody can turn my life from sin but me. Now, he, he, only God can forgive sins. Only the blood of Jesus can wash away sin, but I'm the only one who can turn from sin. In Romans, man, let's let's go. Let's, I'm about to get, I'm about to get going here. Romans chapter six and sixteen. You can put that up there, but just leave that up. I'm going to read this first this first part. Uh, Paul wrote this to the church. Now, this is to the church. 
What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin, because we've repented, live any longer therein? Don't you know that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if, that's a big if, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. People say, I, don't, I just don't believe you have to be baptized. If we have been planted in the likeness of his death, what's the likeness of his death? Don't you know that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? So he's saying, we've got to, if, we've, if we're planted, then we will also be in the likeness of the resurrection. That's what he said. That's what Paul wrote. That's what he, he was preaching. That was the gospel that was given to him from the revelation of Jesus Christ. But in verse 16, as far as me making the decision on whether I turn from sin or not, this is what he had to say. Don't you know that to whoever you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Obedience. See, we have to obey the gospel. We have to obey the commandments. We have to obey the Lord. We have to obey what he said. Again, how can I be saved outside of this book? How can I be saved? There's a way that seemeth right to a man. but The scripture says those ways end up in death. I've got to go by his ways. I've got to go by what he said. I'm not reading anything. I hope you're following along up there or in your own Bible. And you see, I'm only reading the scriptures. I'm not trying to twist them. I'm not trying to turn them. I'm backing them up with other scriptures so that you'll see that it's just built. The Bible says that the word of God is here little, there little, line upon line, precept upon precept. It all uh, works together. And so we see that uh, what he's saying is that um, our part, repent is one thing, is repentance. Uh, because we decide who we yield to, whether to sin or whether we are going to be obedient. Even the Lord said in Isaiah, the first chapter, he said, come, let us reason together. The Lord said, listen, if anything's going to happen, me and you going to have to talk. Come, let us reason together. We reason with him through his word, through faith in him, through the spirit leading us, guiding us. And he said, come, let us reason together. He said, though your sins are as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. He said, I can take those crimson stains and wash them uh, and clean you, and you'll be white as snow. That's what the Lord said, but he said, it'll be my, we're going to have to reason this out, talk about this. And then he said, if you are willing and obedient. So you see, after I, I lay it out, what you've got to do, then you'll have to obey it. That's it. He was always telling his people, uh, once he brought them out of Egypt, even at, at that time in Israel, he said, uh, here's what we do. I've delivered you from Egypt. Now be you holy because I'm holy. How do we do that? Well, he said, here's whew, a bunch of commandments and laws and things and stuff that they had to do all the time, sacrifices and burnt offerings and things that they had to do yearly to make sure that their sins were rolled back. But that was what they had to do. Now that uh, we're in, under this new covenant and the grace of Jesus Christ, here's what we do. We repent. We die. What do you do with something that dies? You bury it. So we're buried in water with Jesus. We're buried in his name. Uh, but let me go to that because baptism is also not forced. It is necessary. It is vital. It's not 
There's no uh, loophole for it in here. It's, it's there uh, for us, but I have to decide to do it. It's not Jesus uh, will never make me go to the water. He will impress on me that I, need, I should go. He said, I'll stand in the door and knock, but I will not open that door. Hey, I, walk, I just showed up in rooms when I was on this earth, but he said, I will not just show up in your room. You're going to have to obey, and you're going to have to open the door and let me in. And so uh, to be baptized is our choice as well. It, our, it is our part in this salvation. What shall we do? Mark 16, again, 15 and 16 says this, that we should go and preach the in all the world, preach the gospel to every single creature, and then he that believeth. That's a choice. You either believe it or you don't, but once you believe, he that believeth and is obedient to the word and is baptized shall be saved. See, but they didn't know what they were going to be preaching everything yet. They just heard what he said right here. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. But the Holy Ghost gave Peter the message that day. They, he brought to memory all the things that the Lord uh, had opened their understanding to, and that's why he preached repentance and, re and baptism in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. In Acts chapter 8, here's a, the perfect example of this being fulfilled. Acts chapter 8 and verse 35. Let me get back to that. Acts chapter 8 and verse 35. Philip has left revival under the command of the Lord. He said, go and catch this guy. He's riding a chariot across the desert. Go catch him. He's a eunuch. He's headed back to his homeland. He said, I want you to go and catch him and talk to him. When he gets there, he, he, he gets up to the chariot. He hears the eunuch reading the scroll of Isaiah. And he is reading about Jesus. And uh, so Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I except some man would guide me? And so Philip comes and sits there with him. And then at the place uh, where he was reading, he began to preach. And in verse 35, it says, Philip opened his mouth and he began at the same scripture and he preached unto him Jesus. He preached, he didn't preach from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. He preached from Isaiah and he preached Jesus. And it says, and as they went on their way, after this eunuch had heard him preaching about Jesus, they come to a certain water and the eunuch, not Philip, but the eunuch says, hey, here's water. What's hindering me from being baptized? Philip says, here's the requirement. If you believe with all your heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Philip didn't even have to bring it up again. The eunuch realized after... I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. I saw water and I realized, hey, that's part of what I've got to do. I can't just believe this. I've got to obey this. And, and so uh, it doesn't tell us everything that Philip preached because I'm sure we wouldn't have time to fill the book with everything that Philip preached that day. But somewhere in preaching about Jesus, he mentioned, hey, you need to be baptized. And so he said, well, here's the water. What's stopping me? If you believe, because he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You know why it says he went away uh, on that chariot rejoicing? Because he felt it. Anybody remember feeling it when you come out of the water? Anybody remember feeling it when you come out of the water? 
Yeah. People say, well, I felt it when the Holy Ghost came. You sure did. But let me tell you, if you don't think you'll feel it, when you go down in that water in Jesus' name and come up, and you feel that lightness, you feel, you don't know how to describe it. You're just like, oh, I just feel it. I feel new. I feel light. I feel like, uh, I feel different somehow. You know it because, let me tell you, the things that were in you, in your inner man, in your soul, have been washed away because baptism is for the remission of sins past. Once that happens, sure, we're going to mess up again. Absolutely. The Bible says, I write unto you that you sin not. But if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If you confess your faults, he is faithful to forgive you your faults. See, a lot of people will say, well, that's all you got to do, just ask him to forgive you. But that letter was not written to the sinner on the street that didn't know Jesus. It was written to the church. That's why you have to be careful about trying to get people saved from the book of Romans to the book of Revelation because all those letters were written to people already who had obeyed the gospel. It's like they already had access into these things. They were reminders and, and instructions for the church, not for people who had no idea who Jesus was. If you want to tell people how to be saved, you talk to them uh, out of the book of Acts because there's where you see people obeying the gospel. That's where you see the disciples preaching the gospel. Now, that's our part, repentance and baptism. That's us. That's what we do. The Holy Ghost, that's the Lord. He said, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the Lord. The Lord does his part. If we do our part, he's going to do his. Sometimes he does his before we do ours. Yeah. Because the only requirement for both is belief. He that believeth and is baptized, shall we say, Jesus said in, in, in the book of John, he said that the Holy Ghost uh, he said, he was speaking of the Holy Ghost. He said, and they that believe on him should receive it. So belief is required for both of them. And so sometimes people get in a service, the power of God's moving. Man, they just know that they love the Lord. They believe in Jesus. Man, and they lifting their hands. They're praying, kind of like what we had up here on the platform on Sunday. Uh, this young lady, she said, I didn't come here looking for that. But, but no, you didn't. But because you believe. She already loved, she loved Jesus. She believes in the Lord. And so she's standing up praying. People's praying with her. Pow, she's speaking in tongues. Wow, I, did, I come to see my friend get baptized. Next thing I know, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm speaking in other tongues. Because that's belief. That's what happens when you believe. Acts 2.38, he says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you, your children, all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Holy Ghost is for everybody. Acts 2 and 17 uh, is where the, Peter's telling them this is what this is. It shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. The old men are going to dream dreams. On my servants, handmaidens, I'll pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. The Lord said, I'm the one pouring out the spirit. We, we make the, and I understand what we're saying, and I still say it, but we'll say, hey, did they, did they get the Holy Ghost? Well, you don't really get it because that would insinuate that it's sitting somewhere, and, and I went and got it. Hey, go get your keys. You go in another room, you pick them up. You know, but if somebody comes and hands me, then I receive my keys from them. And so when we say that, hey, did they get it? And I think sometimes that's the mindset that gets us. Is we come in and say, all right, I got to get this. I got to get this Holy Ghost. I got to get it. And we're trying to do like everybody else is doing. And just, but no, he said, and you shall receive the gift. Yeah. Anybody, now, kids might do something like this, but as normal people, 
if somebody walks in the house, in your house, and they have a box, and it's wrapped, and it's a gift, and you say, oh, is that for me? You'll just run up and snatch it out of their hands. That's rude. And you won't never get another gift. That's it. But you, you stand there, oh, is that for me? And they hand it to you, or they put it on your gift table. And then you, you know, but but you you know it's that's you, you don't run up and snatch the Holy Ghost from God. He he said, look, I'm I'm pouring it out, I'm giving it, and if anybody believes it, they can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, that's how it happens. You receive it. Uh, God pours it out. Uh, in John 14 and 26, it says that it's sent from the Father. In John 15 and 26, Jesus said, I'll send it. In verse 16 and 7 of John, he again he says, I will send it. So the Holy Ghost is His part. He will do his part. So, uh, and that is his part. John the Baptist made the statement. He said, I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. That is what Jesus come to do. So he's, he's going to do. Why? why? People say, oh, I don't believe in, in speaking in tongues. And, and, hey, maybe it's because that's what they were taught. I'm not, I don't get mad at people that say I don't believe in speaking in tongues. I say, well, I just want to know why you don't. And, and then let's just look and see what the Bible says about it. And let's see what the Scripture says. And, and then plus for me, I was, well, I can't speak for anybody else really. I said, but I can tell you I have spoke with other tongues, and it wasn't me. It was the Spirit. And I said, I have watched uh, many, many people receive it. I've been right there praying with them or watching them and watch them receive it. And, you know, nobody was teaching them what to say or telling them what to say, you know, how to talk in tongues. And I said, it wasn't anything like that. It was, they just, as they worshiped, and you see it change. You see the glow on their face. You see that smile come up. And, you, and then they just begin to speak. Just like the Scripture says, they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. I can't, I'm not going to argue with the Spirit. And so maybe they haven't received it. And they think, well, I don't have to have it. I, but... Just search the scriptures and see if you have to have it because the Bible says, again, without his spirit, we're none of his. How many people want to be raptured out of here? If you happen to go by way of the grave, the dead in Christ should rise first. How many people want to rise again? The Bible says, if, if, if that same spirit that raised Jesus up dwell in you. Not just that you ever felt it, because here's the thing. You can feel the spirit or be filled with the spirit. And anybody can feel God's presence, feel his spirit. You walk in a service, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Okay, you feel it. And people feel it. I felt the spirit before I was ever filled with it. And, uh, and that doesn't mean, and if people haven't been filled with it, doesn't mean, number one, does not mean they don't believe in God. It doesn't, believe they don't love Je- it doesn't mean they don't love Jesus. They just don't know yet that there's that gift for them. But once they get in a place where they know that gift is for them and then they begin to feel it, and they begin to worship and, and just listen, and people are praying with them. Then all of a sudden they're filled with it. And how do we know they're filled? Because in the day of Pentecost, when they were filled, they began to speak with other tongues. That's how. That's the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It does again. Don't ever make somebody feel like, oh, you mean you ain't spoken in tongues? Oh, you know, no. Don't make them feel because people are. I've said this. People are growing and learning. And we want them to learn. We just see what's in the scripture, and we've watched people receive it. I watched uh, Sister Kinley. I guess she's up in uh, Children's Church, but I watched her standing right here. She was three years old. 
Not a single adult praying with her. Nobody. Choir was singing, and she would all the time walk up by herself and stand. While the choir was singing, three years old, tears just pouring down her face and just praying. And I'm standing here with the services going, and somebody taps me on the back, and I turn around like, what? And they're pointing. And I look down, and there's three-year-old Kinley speaking in tongues. Nobody near her, nobody praying with her, nobody just praying, speaking in other tongues. And uh, so she believes. Oh, she's three years old. Faith is a child. How old were those children when Jesus said, suffer the little children coming to me? How, how old was that child that Jesus set in the midst and said, here's the greatest in the kingdom? Maybe they were three. I don't know. I don't know how old they were, but I know they were a child. And so... Uh, so we just want people to have what the Scripture says they can't have. I know I've, I've gone over. It's, it's past 8 o'clock. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to, trying to move on. So now, again, John the Baptist said this of Jesus, I, I just told you, uh, in Matthew 3 and 11. Let's, let's put that up. I'm, I'm going to hustle right here at the end. Uh, Matthew 3 and 11. Did I not give you that? Did I put that up there? Anyway, he said, uh, I indeed baptize you with water. There's one coming after me. I'm not worthy to even unloose his sandals. He is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So John, being a man, said, man, baptism in water is what people do. They administer it and they obey it. It's, it when we walk in there, yes, it's a spiritual thing because we believe we have faith in what's going on, but it's two humans walking to the water. Somebody's baptizing you in Jesus' name. And so that's what men do. Uh, I, I shared this with somebody earlier. I was thinking about it, that Jesus was so adamant about not getting involved in what we're supposed to do that even when he walked here, he wouldn't baptize people in the water. In John chapter 4 and verses uh, 1 and 2. Uh, did I not give you that either? My goodness, I'm just slacking. John chapter 4. I got, I'm going to read that to you, though. John chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, then, because we said, oh, I thought you said he didn't baptize. Uh, Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. Because Jesus knew, this, y'all need to go ahead and be practicing, because y'all are going to be baptizing a lot of people. But I know what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to baptize them with the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to stand here. I'm going to be here. Jesus himself was baptized because he said, uh, you know, John said, well, I need to be baptized of you. But John was talking about that Holy Ghost baptism. But he said, look, we've got to fulfill all righteousness. And so Jesus went ahead while he was here in the flesh and was baptized in water uh, because that would fulfill. He was setting examples for us to follow. The servant is not greater than his master. And if the Lord would be baptized, surely I should be baptized. Hello? Jesus said, the things I do, you're, you're going to do. Well, he was baptized. I think I should be baptized too. Anyway, it's, and so in saying this, it's not the order of Acts 2.38. It's, it's obedience on our part. And then it's belief in receiving what God has for us. Again, belief is needed for both. Mark 16 and 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. John 7 and 39 says that those that uh, receive the Holy Ghost, they should receive the Holy Ghost that believe on Him. And so if we believe on Him, we should receive the Holy Ghost. This is the last page. Can I finish or am I, I need to stop? I, I promise you I'm going, I'm going to hustle. I'm going to hustle. So now, 
uh, we, we talked about sometimes uh, the order gets sideways. Uh, because, see, a lot of people think if you don't do it exactly in order, it ain't right. But the scripture will go on to bear out that there is not exactly an order. This is just what Peter said to do because the Lord said, preach repentance and remission of sins in my name. So he's, he's preaching what Jesus said to preach. Repent, be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, you might receive the Holy Ghost before you're baptized, or you might receive it after you're baptized. Hang on, bro. Don't need no hecklers over here. Hang on. Acts chapter 8, because I, I want to show a couple of things here. I want a couple for our minds to think about, okay? I have had people say, well, once I believe in the Lord, I receive his spirit, right? You may feel his spirit, and you may believe in his spirit, but belief alone, there's no scripture to back up that says, once I believe, I am filled with the spirit. There's no scripture for that. So I want to, like I said, again, Acts shows us a lot of examples of what we see happening. Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. This is Philip, again, the guy that just preached to the eunuch. Uh, it says, but when they believed Philip, he was preaching. When they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now, if he's preaching things concerning the kingdom of God, guess what he's preaching? New birth. Because you can't see or enter into the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. So if he's preaching about things that concern the kingdom of God, that's what he's preaching. And the name, he's preaching about the things concerning the kingdom of God, and he's preaching the name of Jesus Christ. When they believed that, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed also. This was a sorcerer that was there. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip, and he wondered, beholding the miracles and signs that were done, because there were healings and devils were being cast out, and all kinds of miracles were happening in this revival. That tells me that people believed. You, you don't see miracles and signs and wonders if you don't believe. These signs shall follow them that believe. That's what Mark 16 said. And so uh, now when the apostles that were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria, where Philip was at, had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, verse 15, he says, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now they had believed and they had been baptized, but they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, how did people know they received it? Simon says he saw it. So the only example we have in Scripture is when people are receiving the Holy Ghost, they are speaking with other tongues. It is audible. It is visible. Uh, you, if you've seen people receive the Holy Ghost, you saw them receive it. You knew that they had received it. And so, but this, this, what I want to show here is that they were baptized first, and still they had not received the Spirit. So they laid their hands on them, and they uh, received the Holy Ghost, and it was visible to those people that were there. Then we have the next scenario. Acts chapter 10 and verse 44. Peter has gone to the Gentiles. He is preaching in the house of Cornelius. And verse 44 says, While Peter spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, 
And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And so when Peter saw this, he answered and said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Commanded. Did not suggest it. Did not say, hey, you want to uh, schedule this? Just command. Boy, if a pastor does that day. Now, you know ain't none of my family here. I got to wait for my grandmama from Arkansas to get here. I got I to gotta fly in all the relatives. We got to get a, a party platter. and then I'm gonna get, you know. But he said, once he saw that they had because they believed, because you got to believe, they received the Holy Ghost, they were speaking in other tongues, they were glorifying God. He said, well, who can forbid water? Nobody can stop them. If, if God's doing this, then he's going to do the rest. So he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they were baptized in the name of the Lord. Because remember, that's what they're preaching, the name of the Lord. So the reason that you can't say, wow, man, they had the Holy Ghost, why do they need to be baptized? Because the Holy Ghost does not wash away your sins. There's no scripture for it. The Holy Ghost does not wash away your sins. The Bible says that uh, faith in his blood, and we know the blood's applied through baptism, baptism for the remission of sins. Uh, Paul said this in uh, Romans 3 and 25, that, that faith in that blood uh, was for the remissions of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, God did not just kill us because we were sinners, but he offered us a way out. He offered us a way for our sins to be washed away. John wrote that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Uh, how do you clean something? You wash it. You wash it fully. You baptize it. Uh, you apoluo it. That's what you do with it. And so, um, so we see that uh, that's why when people receive the Holy Ghost, they still must be baptized and then they must be baptized in his name. Yeah. All right. Let me, I'm, I'm, I really am. By 8.30, I'm going to be done. That's, that's 14 minutes, okay? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, be a storyteller. I'm trying to, really trying to do it right. But I want you to hear some things because uh, it matters. Again, if you're going to be baptized, then it matters how you're baptized. Yeah. Ephesians 4 and 5 says this. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now I want you to keep that in mind because that's what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And here's where we find Paul going into Ephesus, Acts 19 and 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, he came to Ephesus and he found certain disciples. And listen to what he says when he sees these disciples. These are the conversations he has. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Now these were John the Baptist, his disciples. And they, if they were really disciples, they had heard about the Holy Ghost because they had heard John preach, I baptize you with water, but one's coming after me, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. They're saying we haven't heard about any Holy Ghost being poured out or anything. He found them. There were still people that had not heard this truth yet. So he says, okay, if you haven't received the Holy Ghost yet, then I need to know unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. 
Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, then they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So then once they hear, hey, okay, we've been baptized. When Paul said one Lord, one faith, one baptism, he didn't mean just one time. He meant there's only one baptism that remits sin and saves us. That's why these men, John's disciples, they were baptized by John. You know who else was baptized by John? So they were, you would have to, I was baptized just like Jesus. And still they realized that once they heard the gospel that they had to be rebaptized in his name. You've got to be baptized in his name. It says, so when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul, so they come out there, they're baptized, they're soaking wet. And then when Paul lays his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and they prophesied. Again, remember, this is what Paul is preaching, but he didn't get this from Peter on the day of Pentecost. He said, I got this, Galatians 1, 11 and 12. He says, I got this from the Lord, from the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, I certify you, brethren, the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, but I received it of man, neither was taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He got all his preaching material from the Lord. And so he, that's what he was preaching, but he was still preaching the same thing that Peter and the rest of the disciples, uh, apostles were preaching. This is what happened to him in Acts 9 when he was struck down on the road to Damascus. Uh, he was, um, you know, people will always quote uh, the book of Romans. Well, the Bible says all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. And they, they have made a doctrine out of that, okay? First of all, that letter is to the church at Rome. It's not to people who don't know the Lord already. The first time that you will ever see that saying is in uh, Joel chapter 2, which is what Peter pulls his message from on the day of Pentecost. He said, this is that that the prophet Joel spake. The first time you hear, uh, and they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, is Joel speaking it in prophecy and in a mystery. The next time you will hear it is when Peter preaches it in a revelation on the day of Pentecost because now the Spirit is being poured out and it is the answer. He, he actually quotes Joel. He says, And they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So why didn't he just say that when they said, What shall we do? Because when you call on the name of the Lord, he's talking about being baptized in his name. That's why in Acts 22 and 16, when Ananias came to Paul, he said, Now why are you waiting around? Arise, be baptized washing away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That's what calling on the name of the Lord means. It means that's what you do when you're baptized because you need the name of the Lord because there is no other name, Acts 4 and 12. There is no other name under heaven given whereby we must be saved. That's why we do that. So uh, when we believe, we walk in what we know. That's what they did in Ephesus. John's disciples, they were just doing what they knew. That's all they had been preached Paul didn't slap them around. Woo, I got here just in time. Man, y'all about to bust, bust it wide open. You know, it's, it's, y'all lost. Woo, he, he just said, hey, I just, let me ask you, how, how was you baptized, John? Okay, so you heard some preaching about the Lord and all these things. So, so he began to preach to them about Jesus, that Jesus had come 
that he had died, rose from the dead, appeared to him, all the things that they had to say, preach the gospel of Christ. When they heard that, yes, sir, they were all rebaptized because there's only one baptism, one Lord, one faith. That's what Paul was preaching. What's the Lord? How, how many knows there's one Lord? What's his name? Jesus. All right. One Lord, one faith. You've got to have faith in him. You've got to believe. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. One baptism. And that's what he was telling them. So uh, it happened then. It happened now. They were filled. Once they came out of the water, he laid his hands on them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues. That's the testimony of the book of Acts. It's what happens. It happened then. It happens now. It happens now, don't it? Anybody, anybody received the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues? Well, it, it still happens. So, it, it, and it's the Bible. And I, oh, yeah, I still got seven minutes. I told you 8.30, so I still got seven minutes. So, but this is, I mean, there's nothing past. I'm right here, so I got this much left. So, so if we can, we can go right there. So baptism, because that's, you know, people love spiritual stuff. Man, give me the spirit. Let me feel the spirit. Ooh, it feels good. Goosebumps, chill bumps. Feels, man, I feel it. Make, you know. People love the Spirit. A lot of people get filled with the Holy Ghost, and they go, well, man, that's great. I, man, i got the Holy Ghost. i got the Spirit of God living in me. Praise God. That's awesome. That's right. But we have to do the other part because baptism is not just something we, you know, do because, ah, oh, you know. No one, the Lord never just gives a scripture that doesn't mean anything. You ever read anything in there and you think, oh, he didn't have to put that in there. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So it's all in there for a reason. And so if baptism in his name is essential, or if it wasn't essential, why would it be in there? Why, why the references? Why, why wouldn't Philip say, man, don't stop this chariot. I've got to get home. You know? But they stopped. They did. Why, why would Paul say, well, how were you baptized? Why does that matter? Because you need to know because God... Uh, is trying to save people. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved again. That's the, those words are in red. So, uh, so that's the Lord saying that. Now, that's Mark 16 and 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But look, uh, 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. He was talking about Noah, and he says that sometimes these spirits were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by... So we, we talk about Noah was saved by his faith. He was saved by the ark. Peter said eight souls, eight people were on the ark. Eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Baptism saves me. Here's what happened in Noah's day. The Bible says that the law of the Old Testament was a shadow of things to come. It wasn't the very image, but it was a shadow. It was a schoolmaster to bring us forward. So let's look at what happened in the days of Noah. God sends a flood of water. It completely covers the earth. There's nothing. It covers all the mountains, everything. The, the, the earth is once again a giant ball of water. You know what we're made from? We're made from the earth. When we're baptized, we go completely under the water. We go under the water to get rid of all the sins of our past, the wickedness, the evil, all the things that we've done wrong. 
uh, washed away. You know why God sent a flood? Because men were evil and were wicked. He said, I'm going to wash it away. He washed away. Every living thing on the earth died. It all died. All human life was gone except eight souls that were saved by water. Then the water begins to recede, and the earth begins to appear out of the water. And the way that Noah knows that, hey, now things are better, things are, are, are new, there's new life, he sends out a dove, and the dove comes back with an olive branch in his mouth. And he knows that, hey, that he sends the dove out twice. The first time he sends it out, and it comes back with that olive branch. Now, the dove is symbolic of the Spirit, because when Jesus was baptized, he came out of the water, and the Lord said, whoever you see the Spirit descending like a dove, you'll know that's the Lord. He also had an olive branch, the olive branch where the olives come from, where the anointing oil comes from, the anointing of the Spirit. And so he knows then there's new life out there. Then he sends the dove out one more time and it don't come back because we're going to receive the Spirit and then one day we're going to go away and not come back. Because if that same spirit dwells in you, it's going to catch you away one day. So, so that's why he said it's the same thing that happened in the days of Noah. He said eight souls were saved by water. It's the same thing baptism does for us today. It washes away the sins of this earth, this dust of the earth that God made us from, this, this earthly flesh, ashes to ashes, dust to earth to the earth that we came from. You know, we know all about that. So that's who we are. That's what we're going to be. Ooh, two minutes. Uh, I'm, I'm really trying to hurry. Eight souls saved by water, the light figure where baptism does now save us. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Acts 4 and 12, there's no other name whereby we must be saved. That's why we baptize. In the, if baptism saves us, then we must also have the right name, the name of Jesus. There's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Colossians 2, 8 and 9 tells us that all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. That means... If this was like the Lord, everything that the, that the Lord is, is in that vessel. That means Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It's all in Him. The Godhead, that's the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. So all the fullness of that, everything that God is, dwelt in Him bodily. First Timothy 3.16, for God uh, was manifest in the flesh. God was. So uh, that's why... There's no other name under heaven where I must be saved because Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. The Lord said in Isaiah, look unto me and be saved all ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else. And so Jesus couldn't be the Savior if he wasn't God. Could be. Okay, Matthew 28, 19, Pastor. Right. Jesus said, go and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That's right, he said, in the name of the Father. Father's not a name. I'm a father, but that's not my name. I am also a son. That is not my name. I have a spirit. It's not my name. I do have a name. My name's Ed. You got a father? He's got a name. You got a son? He's got a name. But we're, we're made in the image of God, each one. So each one of us, you know, uh, father, son, spirit, but it's just one. You look at us, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I and my father are one. With their one, they got the same name. So when the Lord was telling him to baptize people, 
in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. He wasn't saying to use that formula because that's title. There's no, if baptism saves us, then it has to have the saving name. Whenever you're baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, it is absolutely a statement of your faith. People do that. It is absolutely a statement of their faith. They have believed what they heard, and they have done that just like John's disciples did. But once they heard about, baptism, about the Lord and being baptized in his name, they were baptized in the way that the apostles were preaching. And that's what Jesus was saying. I want you to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That name is Jesus. Peter didn't mess up because nobody corrected him on the day of Pentecost. Mm, Peter, hold on. That's, that's ain't what he said. But Peter already had the revelation. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. The angel said, you'll call him Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. But you're going to call his name Jesus. Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born, a son is given. Well, that's Jesus. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. I am my Father of one. Jesus told Philip, have I been so long with you and yet you don't know who I am? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Quit looking past me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so, and when uh, Thomas uh, saw him,